Anthony Heron, score football analyst. You know what? Brad Pitt, you're a good actor. You're a movie star. You're more of a movie star than a great actor. And that's okay because you're in really good movies and I enjoy them. Former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye. And as long as that ends up being the case, hey, Bishop, I'm still on the radio. No, it's all right. He can hang. Paw Patrol. I need another Paw Patrol. Okay, I'm going to come turn <laughs> yeah, it on in just yeah, a couple yeah, of yeah. moments, all right? Big and Heron. Mr. Hedden, I want to compliment you. You're doing a fine job. With Bernstein and Holmes on the score. I guess there's a big Paw Patrol movie coming out. I saw the trailer for it. My first thought was that thing, you know, Bishop's already got his ticket. And I thought, no, he's probably outgrown Paw Patrol already. It's, that's probably for the little kids out there. He's like, man, I don't watch any of that. Paw Patrol anymore. Whatever, that Paw Patrol's a drug. I guess it is. Anthony Heron is sponsored by Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, and by Plumbers 911, plumbing emergency? Call the plumbing professionals. Available 24-7 at 1-833-PLUM-911. He is on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 to score. Big Ant, what's up? Yeah, Paw Patrol, not only a drug, but a hell of a drug. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so, uh, we shall see. I would imagine when it hits the cinema, uh, yeah, he, he will still, the, the youngster will still be looking forward to it. He's not as deeply entrenched in it as he once was, but then they, like, added dinosaurs recently, and they became superheroes at one point. So they're, they're kind of weaving off into a few different directions of kind of the Paw Patrol multiverse. And I'm guessing we'll still partake. Next thing you know, they're going to space. Yeah. Like the Fast and the Furious. It's episode nine. They went to space in a Fiero. You know who's not going to space? <laughs> Who? Probably Luke Etsy with the Bears. And what do you think about what happened? Um, so I just I don't know what exactly this means. I'm not completely sure how to how to interpret moving on from Luke Getzey and Andrew Janoko. And I, I wonder how I, I would imagine we'll hear, you know, some some sort of I, I guess uh, a, a generality or perhaps vagary about the future of the quarterback position, the future of Justin Fields, um, you know, to, to get a new offensive mind in, I think it, it would have made sense regardless of whether or not the bears plan to move forward with fields or plan to draft a quarterback. And I would imagine Ryan polls, the, the easy way to, to kind of frame it today will be that there's all those evaluations will be ongoing and they'll kind of make those decisions later. But you, you would imagine there's at least a, a direction in mind with that and Luke Getzey working specifically with Justin Fields and being so inconsistent with how they work together or being ineffective in that regard. Now it's, it, it can be viewed as evidence that he's not the guy you want to develop the next QB either, but to move on from him, does it mean you're going to move on from both or is this, is it more so indicative of, all right, the, the, the guy we have here, the style of play that he's begun to excel at, that this is your offensive mind that just isn't working well with him. And so we want someone else who can kind of make that work. So I, I think both those possibilities are on the table. And I'm, I'm not 100% confident how to interpret it as it relates to the position of quarterback for the Bears moving forward. What do you put on the plate of the quarterback versus what do you put on the plate of the OC as far as Bears offensive failures? What I'm confident in is that between the two guys, I think I think Justin Fields grew more in his task as a Bears quarterback than Luke Getzey grew in his task as Bears play caller. I think both guys over the two years got better at what they were doing, but you know, obviously the, the play caller's role is to construct an offense, to construct a scheme and an attack that'll that'll put you in the best opportunity for success based off the personnel that's there, based off the matchups that the opponent presents to you. 
and he was, you know, he, he seemed, you know, ill-prepared for that, especially early in the season. And as the season wore on, I think he, he got to a point of figuring out that formula more. The unfortunate thing is that I, I do feel like in the final game of the regular season, I do think there, there was and should have been weight put into that. And I wonder if, you know, let, let's assume they get an extended time with the media today, who in the media may ask about that, about that final game against Green Bay. There's a lot of data points before that. It was just the final data point. And I think it, it would have been viewed. I certainly viewed it as a, as a large data point. And I do feel like Justin Fields, you know, he, he certainly didn't close the door. I, I feel like the Green Bay game could have been an opportunity for Justin Fields to close the door on the discussion of drafting a rookie at number one, because it, it would have been hard pressed for me to think that people in Howell's Hall weren't seeing the growth that he was showing at quarterback. And it's just wherever you're drafting in the draft, it's hard to presume you can bring someone in who will play at a high level in the NFL because it's so difficult and because it's so infrequent that you find it. When you have one in-house, then it, it can be difficult to try and move on from that individual. Folks do it. It has been done. At times it has been done successfully, but by franchises who are more accustomed to success from a win-loss perspective than the Bears are. But Justin Fields, even with his performance against the Packers, not just Luke Getze, but I don't think Justin Fields performed at a level against Green Bay that closed that door. But it, to me, it wouldn't have needed to be some crazy numbers out there if it would have been, you know, 250 with a couple of touchdowns protecting the football in a Bears win where he just looked comfortable again, proficient again, consistent again like he did against the Falcons and like he has in a number of games since returning to the lineup here to do it on the road against that squad, you know, the best, one of the better teams in the NFC, second best team in this division. I think that could have gone a long way, but he didn't. So I, I do think that door is still ajar. Did you have any names that came to mind? Because we've, of course, been talking about some here, but just knowing what you know about Eberflus, is there a personality type or a certain resume that you think the next person has to have? I think the question makes a lot of sense. I do wonder how much, I don't think it'll be taken out of Eberflus's hands because that, that doesn't strike me as how Ryan Poles likes to operate, but will this be something where Ryan Poles has more influence mm -hmm. on this hire and and where Matt Eberflus is is kind of, you know, maybe in the sidecar or, or poses is riding shotgun with him where this is a, a collective decision by by Eberflus and Poles as opposed to just trusting Eberflus to do the hiring. Because if if we presume that all the coaching hires from Eberflus is, you know, when he first got the gig here a couple of seasons back, if that was all up to him, a lot of it didn't go well. You know, you know I mean, you guys have talked about the list uh, at, at, in detail over throughout this season, as many of us have here. But your DC's not there. The running back coach already had to move on. Now the whole offensive staff is gone too, uh, in, including the offensive coordinator. Who, you know, I, I suppose to whatever extent, give some credit to Eberflus to polls being willing to move on because those relationships are deep. Where when you all get this first opportunity together for the first time, that does, from a human capital perspective, that does end up meaning something and yeah, I've heard from a variety of people how close Eberflus and Getze had gotten and so maybe it's Paul stepping in kind of bigfoot and moving on from Luke or just Eberflus and I do feel like his tone on Luke Getze adjusted a bit the second half of the season not being you know just so profuse with with his praise of everything that Getze was doing so they made the decision to move on names out there at Eberflus has been in the league for a long time and he's met a lot of guys so my impression would be it would more likely be someone who's 
who's established themselves in the NFL more likely than somebody who might be viewed as kind of a, a hot college commodity or a young up and coming coach. There are young coaches who are established in the NFL who could potentially work, you know, but I think that it, it would be more likely that someone with NFL pedigree, as opposed to the idea of, as we see, the NFL is more frequently now going the college route to bring in those principles to the national football league, making that transition smoother from college quarterback to professional quarterback. But I mean, especially with the idea of if this is sort of a lame duck or prove it season for Eberflus, if it also ends up being determined that it's a lame duck or prove it season for Justin Fields in 2024, then you know, you're more likely to, to be able to go get someone who who's maybe got some bona fides in the NFL, but also has a level of comfort, a level of stability in their life where it's not going to be as much upheaval if this does end up being where everyone is gone after 2024, if things don't go well. So that might be a, a Greg Roman type who has established himself as a football mind at the professional level, but not necessarily someone who's, who's early on in that process. So that's a name that occurs to me. Um, I mean, Eric Bieniemy would be great. I would imagine he'll have opportunities that could provide more more stability than the Bears. I don't. I'm not at the point yet where I'm confident he's going to get a head coaching opportunity because he's done so much prior to this, and he hasn't gotten a head coaching opportunity yet. That, in my mind, would 100% be his preference. But so the head coach Rob Rivera in Washington got fired. If they promote Bieniemy to head coach, that's awesome for him. If they don't, then he's either going to potentially be a head coach elsewhere or he will have to continue considering offensive coordinator opportunities. So if I'm the Bears, I certainly don't, you know, strike him from the list. It, it, would, be, it would be awesome for Chicago because we, we've seen what he's been able to do, not only going back to Kansas City, but now this past season being the legitimate, the 100% play caller for Washington's offense. Still a bit too much volume to the passing, in my opinion. I don't love that, but his offenses are usually, at least in one realm or another, have usually been productive. That's why I'm not ruling out the announcement of a Matt Eberflus contract extension today. Mm. I'm not. I, I, just, I, I don't think it's likely, but I still think it's possible that they so they believe so strongly and they want to project this image of stability and take all of those 2024 and post-2024 questions off the table and, and make that statement publicly. He's not going anywhere. Would you want it even if, like, because we it's a four, four-year deal for Eberflus? Like, if, if it is a four-year deal, would you still want, like, Hey, we tacked another year onto his deal just so it could give. I don't want any of it. I want him I, gone. I know, but I'm saying, like in the scenario that you paint it, if you knew that it was a four year deal and they added another year to his deal, would that fit with what you're saying about? I, I think like the, a college recruiting thing. Yes, yeah. yeah but the question isn't really for me. But the question would be for for somebody potentially who's arrived. Oh, what it would say to yeah. them? And here's another thing. And another thing. And another thing. They fired them all. They fired the whole offensive staff except for offensive line coach Chris Morgan. Now, from my experience, the relationship between coordinator, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach is often one of the most critical between it may be the most critical with any position because offensive line coach is five it's five of the 11 positions on the field you could argue all the time. It's seven is you, between you, five sure. and seven. For, you could argue it's between the fullback. Yeah. yeah, you could. So well, that, that the receivers, it, it, so, the receivers coach then shouldn't have been fired by in, that. Logic. In a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, you see that there. That I, I just wonder what offensive coordinator is going to take a job. We're already being told you don't get to bring in your own O line guy. 
And I, I wonder if if that if that should at the moment be viewed as a line in the sand or as as a not even tacit as as an overt endorsement of Morgan while not necessarily putting it on the table because they're not making Chris Morgan the offensive coordinator, presumably. So if there's an OC that they like, let, let, let's use Greg Roman as an example because of the success he's had with mobile quarterbacks in years past. Or, you know, Frank Reich, you know, Eberflus and Frank Reich are really close. So, uh, whoever they bring in, maybe it's not off the table that they can bring in their own O-line coach, but they could at least go into that meeting endorsing the guy in place saying that, we have faith in this individual and the growth we saw from all those young guys that we had up front. So we'd love to keep Chris Morgan, but if you've got somebody, then we can make the Chris Morgan move later on, but we're at least endorsing the guy we've had in-house. Out of all the offensive failures that have been there, the inconsistencies, the position coaches and the play caller that we don't dig, the O-line coach, we really feel like he got it done. That still, to me, shouldn't preclude them from Frank Reich saying, or Greg Roman saying, or whomever coming in and saying, Edgar Bienvenue's like, nah, well, you know what? My scheme, I got somebody I worked with a bunch before. I thought, Chris is cool, but he's not my guy. Let me bring my guy in. So I would hope that would still be on the table because there's, of course, this hierarchy of how important each individual role is. Them being impressed with Chris Morgan, the tape can certainly show why that would be the case, you know, until you get to Green Bay again, you know, until you get to Cleveland. And yeah, some of the top defensive fronts in football, they certainly still had their struggles, but they're young, they're growing, and so I, I think there's plenty of potential that you're seeing. And to keep some continuity there, they can make that case. But I, I would hope it wouldn't preclude them, and I would imagine it wouldn't preclude them from somebody they are really sold on to bring in as the play caller. We just found out the news that Pete Carroll is out in Seattle. I want him. Yeah, I, I'll yeah, take him. He's, he's, he's going to stay in the organization. Uh, Move upstairs. Does he have to? Maybe maybe he's tired of coaching. Maybe all the energy that he expends as a coach is he better served young doing something and else. Vibrant, but but he's he has seventy two. He's old, right? Yeah, seventy two years old. Right. So, so yeah, he uh, has more energy at seventy two than I've ever had, though. I think I also think that he is one of the most underappreciated coaches in football history. But that's another story for another hey, Carol, day. Carol, um, we like you, Big wow. Ant. Hang on, Come here. We want to talk more with you about everything that's gone on, including like some expectation stuff for Matt Eberflus. So stick around. Big yeah. Ann Heron is here. It's Bernstein, Holmes, it's Rahimi. Talking about the news of the day. The Bears are going to have a press conference at 3 o'clock. Two press conferences. Two press conferences at 3 o'clock to announce the changes that have been made and perhaps something about a stadium. Who knows? That's next on The Score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Our culture is awesome. Big Ann Heron is here with us, Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi. As we talk about the news of the day, that news being pretty much the entire offensive staff, except for Chris Morgan have been let go. The Bears are going to have a press conference at 3 o'clock. Dan, are you hearing anything about Chris Morgan? I'm not, but I do think the fact that he is sort of left standing here as the unindicted co-conspirator, you wonder if he was maybe telling Flus, hey, by the way, this guy sucks, and I, I don't agree with anything that he's doing. Or maybe Flus has his guy in mind. That's why we were Googling Frank Reich, Chris Morgan. Maybe they're the guy who is his first choice said, hey, I got Chris here. If you're coming in, you want me to keep Chris? I said, yeah, 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 don't don't lose Chris. I wonder if Chris is someone that, like, maybe this is our own bias because we only think of, like, 
the people who have the quarterback is potential candidates to be offensive coordinators. I wonder if Chris Morgan is one of those guys that people think can be an OC. I do think it is worth asking questions at today's press conference about all of that and more. All right, so Big Ant, when it comes to Matt Eberflus, what are the things that you think he does well, and where would you hope that he would get better? He has, I'll say, allowed evolution. I suppose to some extent you, you could say he has evolved, but a lot of times as the head coach, especially when, when you don't begin your, your head coaching tenure as the play caller on either side of the ball, and then you become the defensive play caller, of course, for the bulk of this season, but when things evolve, it's, it's a lot of times the head coach allowing evolution. At the collegiate level, Nick Saban has allowed evolution with Alabama's offense. Jim Harbaugh has allowed evolution with Michigan's offense and with the way he brings in younger assistants on the staff and the style of recruiting, all these things. And I think Matt Eberflus has allowed a level of evolution uh, over the two seasons he's been with the Bears, really on each side of the football. And we've seen it both with the way he calls the Bears' defense. And as the pass rush got better, then it wasn't as blitz heavy as it became for a stretch of the year, but he saw, he observed the issues in front of him and said, how do we actually get about the, the business of attacking the opponent when our defensive front isn't getting home to, to provide that attack? And so he did get more blitz heavy, and then he got back to more what we traditionally think of as a Matty Berflew's defense once they actually got more pass rush going. Montez Sweat was brought in, and they could impact, they could dent the pocket more consistently. We saw him evolve on defense. And again, I told you guys after week one, and as shocking as the, the Green Bay game plan was that game, that Eberflus needed to have a hard conversation with Luke Getze. Maybe that conversation didn't happen until after the regular season ended. I don't know. But we did at least see some evolution. Two years in a row, some evolution to the Bears offense that, that began to gear itself more towards the strengths of their quarterback, the comfort of their offensive line, the, the receivers and the playmaking ability that was there. And everyone elevated, at least all the playmakers elevated in that regard. Donnell Mooney, I suppose, would be the, the main player on offense that I felt like had some regression this year. But it hasn't been that often where we'd say across the board. I do feel like, you know, Cole Komet is a better football player now than he was coming into the season. That's growth. That's evolution. The quarterback, the O-line, all of them got better throughout the year. And so that word development that I consistently was telling you guys that the previous regime, that it just bugged me, that no one on offense was getting better while they were there. You can make a case certain defenders did, some that they brought in and spent money on that were already good when they got here, but some legitimately developed with the previous regime on defense, but there was no development on the Bears' offense with the previous guys, and they didn't even use the word. It was almost like it was this icky word, development. You hear Eberflus talking development, and that is so key. You talked about Pete Carroll, and one of the things that's made him one of the elite coaches at both levels of the sport for a couple of decades now is the fact that he does develop talent on each side of the ball and there can be difficulty and strain that goes into that and as I've spoken about the the mental stamina not only the physical stamina that it takes to withstand a football game let alone a football season does your personality does your motivational style as a coach really suit the development of a football team and everyone being willing to put that consistent work into it I remember in 2004 when I was with Atlanta with the Falcons and Jim Moore Jr at the time now he ended up fizzling out as a professional coach after a few years of success in Atlanta but one of the things that stand out to me that was the team in 04 a small 
relatively young Atlanta Falcons team, and especially Atlanta Falcons defense, just got better and better. We got better and better throughout the year going towards the NFC Championship game because of his his personality and, and the way he galvanized our squad. Everyone believed in the approach that was being taken and the excitement in the city of Atlanta at the time. And, you know, Mike Vick kind of going off doing his thing when he was kind of in his heyday on the field making all those plays then there was a, an effort and intensity to the practices then where we were a better team in November and December than we were in September and October. And that, that matters. Not every team runs it exactly the same way, but your personality as a coach has to suit development. And that is one of the things in a short time in Matt Eberflus that I would at least say not only the increased talent here, but you're seeing players on both sides of the ball that are better at playing professional football now than they were last year. That, to me, is at least a, a feather in his cap for something he's doing better than the previous regime did. One of the things we always hear, though, is, oh, he didn't lose the locker room. He didn't lose the locker room. This is a young team, especially last season when you consider how they put it all together. Even with adding a few veterans, it's still a very young team, relatively speaking. I appreciate that comment, but I often wonder if we even see a locker room lost in a lot of these situations. Like, as a former athlete yourself, what do you think this lost locker room looks like, and how much stock do you put into that when you hear that that's what's discussed about at least Eberflus and one of the reasons he stayed? Because to me, winning is the best cure-all for most of the situations. You can have people hate each other on a team. It's a low bar. And as long as they're no, winning, they're it's okay. lose the locker room. Let's keep them but, but what does a lost locker room even look like? like? It's such a strange thing to say when you know that there's a bunch of grown men who all have different personalities. Right. I, I, think, it, I think it's two separate things. You know, like a, a lost locker room to me can be more of a, a veteran team or a proven skill set that's, that's not showing up as the season wears on. It's not showing up because they do feel like this coach is going to be out of here or what we're doing doesn't matter or I don't necessarily believe in the direction we're going. That's where, you know, and going back to Jim Moore Jr., that's where like in around, by around like 2006, where, you know, the Falcons just weren't necessarily showing up for him in the same way by then as as was happening in 04. And so it can be difficult to sustain. But I think losing the locker room is one thing when you have guys who've maybe already ascended to a certain level of, of competence or even excellence in the NFL. And then you can just see, like, you know what? At the end here, we're just not getting this thing done anymore. Like the last season of Matt Nagy where, you know, Khalil Mack was still capable of more and he's kind of banged up and Akeem Hicks kind of banged up playing through it. And, you know, you're seeing guys who you know can still play at a higher level that that are just kind of, you know, not really doing it in the same way with that same extra heartbeat. That's one thing. Well, to me, that's different than what I'm discussing with Matt Eberflus, though, where a young, impressionable roster where Kyler Gordon is a better football player. That, that's not just by accident that Kyler Gordon has developed simply because he's talented in the NFL, because as you guys know, a lot of talented players don't develop and begin to ascend in the NFL. You know, like Jalen Johnson, yeah, Jalen Johnson was good before Matt Eberflus got here. He's continued to play well and is also having his best season right now as he's been tested more by the opponent. But, you know, Tyreek Stevenson, a better player at the end of the year than he was early on. You know, we're seeing, I think, even the offensive line and Chris Morgan get some credit for that also. If Eberflus played a role in, in getting Luke Getze to begin to craft things in Justin Fields' development throughout the year, setting him up in situations with schemes and game plans that lended more to the success of Justin Fields, then those are things, those are the discussions that would be, you know, getting had at Hallis Hall to figure out, all right, why has this gotten better? Why, why did things plateau for certain players or in certain games? 
Where can this continue to go? What role did you play in that, Matt Eberflus, to continue to see continued development? Or Cole Komet comes in talented. Ryan Poles, after last season, decides to pay him. But Cole Komet be continuing to be a better football player. That's not, that's not like regardless of who the coach is in that scenario. It doesn't mean Matt Eberflus is a great head coach. I think the development of a young roster, that doesn't necessarily happen by accident. And that, that to me is a, a different lane than whether or not you lose a locker room. But as a young team developing, are players getting better under your watch? Then I would say yes. Leadership is going to speak today. Eberflus, Poles, and then Kevin Warren. What do you want to hear? It, it would be great if we got a, a definitive direction on things. And, and frankly, if – if Ryan Poles, like, you know, to the point Dan made earlier about, you know, they never announced the contracts or whatever. But, you know, if we got some sort of a line in the sand drawn for what the expectations are for 2024 with the Chicago Bears, if it is more generalities or blandishments about continued improvement, then I feel like that's fairly obvious for us. You know, we've been observing the additional resources put into the roster. You know, he, he's nobody's going to say it's a make or break year. For Matt Eberflus, but to say we, we expect to be a playoff team. We, we think we were patient in year one, and Ryan Pulse has kind of addressed the, the patience that Bears fans have shown in the time that he's been running things, and we think we got on the cusp of that this year, and there were some games that got away from us, and to have a, a sort of definitive, at least, expectation that's set for 24, and the talk, you know, he's talked play or championships the entire time, I suppose, but to at least leave the press conference knowing what would be disappointment for this season? Not just sort of the generality of improvement, but yeah, if, if we miss the playoffs in 2024, that, that would be disappointing. I would certainly find that disappointing as a, a guy who is, is into the idea of patient, methodical growth and development. Whoever the quarterback is in 2024, playoffs and the idea that it's a reality that a playoff run could be made that should be the basement expectation for this coming season. And I, I hope some version of that gets communicated today because it's, it's fair. You know, that if they trade the number one pick in the draft, then obviously this can be a roster that will be resourced, that can be enhanced in a way where, you know, can you start talking about the Bears having one of the better rosters in football? They're not there right now, but between the draft capital and the cap space available, they can definitely go in that direction in trading the top pick and having that additional roster flexibility for the coming seasons if you trade it. But even if you keep Justin Fields and you've got the number one pick and then the additional, you know, like mid-round picks and everything else that came with the DJ Moore trade from last year's number one pick, it's a roster that has shown growth like we were discussing. And then by the time you get to next season, between even the current cap space and the current draft capital, this should be a Bears roster that, you know, to, to use the, the draft day Kevin Costner phrase, is ready to roll. And so I do want to hear that communicated that some of the, the chanting of Justin Fields' name at Soldier Field, even if it's not Justin Fields as the quarterback, they're chanting for the expectations of the Bears moving forward also. That's, that's baked into the folks and, and the love that they've shown Justin Fields in that final home game. So continue to lean into that if you have true faith in what direction this is going forward. I can tell you exactly what the press conference is going to be today in one set of words or another. It's going to be some combination of this wasn't good enough with the presumption and the undercurrent of this being good enough. That's what Bears press conferences always, always are. This is unacceptable. This is, a, this is completely acceptable. <laughs> this has to change. This has to stay the same. <laughs> 
That's what they all are. We need to change things. We need to keep things the same. We have to be better. We must have continuity. Every Bears press will there, conference. Will there be any big news there? Like you mentioned the stadium going to the previous break. Do you think anything big will come out of this evening? N- no, knowing Kevin Warren, he you wouldn't. You don't know him, and that's no, my but, point. But he wouldn't want, Kevin Warren wouldn't want to commingle. That he'd want that day all to himself. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm with Dan partially. He would want, I am, too. He would want but he doesn't that, know. He would want that's that day problem. all to himself. Those are your man's a minute but that, ago. But that's, they, they, all Bears press conferences are mans. like this. While According to listeners, I'm ter- married to all of you. There's terrific coaching yeah. candidates yeah. available all over the place, and, and this year with the, the they're, now they're going to run it back, and they're going to say this is unacceptable. This is acceptable. This must improve. It's going to stay the same, and that's kind of okay. I need the Dan one act play. We must get out of our comfort zone. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. It's going to be three acts, actually. Big Ant, we appreciate you jumping on. Thanks for both segments, sir. <laughs> I saw I saw Greg Gabriel tweeting about Pep Hamilton earlier to to Layla's question in the previous segment. That that'd be a good that'd be a cool name also. I think be worthy of consideration. That kind of it rattled back around in my brain after uh, the commercial break too. But all right, good. Thanks Bye. for mentioning. Bye, Ant. That is Anthony Heron who joins us regularly. Wait. We didn't even talk to him about the national championship. We didn't. We can That's get right. him on another time to talk to him <laughs> about that and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, but the national championship was sort of what it was i mean there really there's not a lot of analysis that I'm, needs to be done there. yeah but there's analysis on what happens next and big well, 10 and... Want, well somebody's responding to layla here directly why and it's stonecutter no it's not yeah it's you stonecutter sent an email it's for who sent an email and it's right here and you can email him back but he said you want my bears thoughts layla here here are my bears thoughts yes okay so you realize what this means so the Bears will bring in an offensive coach after they've picked the supposed franchise quarterback. They went into 2017 desperate to fix the quarterback position, knowing full well the coach they would pair with him was going to be fired at the end of the season. Hatley couldn't fire Wani. Angelo couldn't fire Jerron. Angelo couldn't give Lovey a long-term extension, so Lovey had to keep bringing in third-tier offensive coaches. Emery couldn't fire Lovey when he wanted to. Pace was forced to hire John Fox. Pace was forced to keep John Fox. Pace finally got to hire his guy, but only after picking the quarterback. So the Bears' inability to solve quarterback is a matter of circumstances, and that's the bulk of it, but they can't bring themselves to fully clean house. They let the guy they pick align everything on his terms with his timeline, and it's happening again. That was sent by Stonecutter in 2019. Can I just say? 2019, which means it's you. No, it's, I, Can I just say that one of the things that, that fans of this team and have been talking about and you've been wondering? Yes. Guess what Ryan Poles doesn't get to do anymore? You don't get to be, oh, well, I didn't hire him. Don't blame me. I this, didn't vote for Matt Eberflus. This the same way that Kevin Warren is your man's? Matt Eberflus is now his man's. You know, Whether he hired him or not. Thing. Yeah, now, now he's, now he's, he's a, your he's man's. Announced. You'd rather have him yes. than Mike Vrabel. You'd rather have him That's than your Jim man's. Harbaugh. You, you, might, you might want to rather have him than your quarterback. That's, that's what I'm saying. You decided you want to build your team around him. That's now your man's. You either are building your team around Field still, or you're building it around a mythical one, or you're building it around Matt Eberflus. Ooh, a mythical quarterback would be great. That's what y'all are looking for over here, you unicorn surgers. That's what I keep seeing with the Caleb bros. Go watch the Oregon game. I'm just saying, like just men go on watch dating the games. apps. You always think you can do better. When Y'all we, go right ahead and keep searching. We come back fun with the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, wait, wait. Before you break, this is a great text from the 309, which is a rarity. 
Dan isn't Stonecutter. Dan is actually Westside Mike. Now, that, now, now there's your twist ending. The plot thickens. Hot garbage. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Are you a local business owner or employee? Well, how'd you like to have your commercial air during Super Bowl 58 right here on The Score? This is your chance. We've launched a new contest. It's called Score Big for Your Business, where you can enter to win a 30-second Super Bowl commercial on The Score's broadcast of Super Bowl 58 from Westwood One. So log on to 670thescore.com slash contests to enter now and learn more details. Deadline to enter is January 19th. Also... Caller 6 to the score contest line right now, 312-540-0670. We'll win a pair of tickets to an unforgettable evening of live music. Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. It's Billy Joel's first time in Chicago since his five-year sellout streak at Wrigley Field. First time Stevie Nicks is back since her sold-out concert at United Center last year. And it's a special one-night-only performance. Their first ever at Soldier Field on Friday, June 21st. Tickets are going to go on sale to the general public. This Friday at 10 a.m. at LiveNation.com. I'm convinced that this beat and its lyrics are the most diametrically opposed of any song in the history of music. No, there's there's another one that I think is equally as... I forget. I have this to song think is, about The it. beat is so happy. Hey, uh. Hey, uh. I just have to how say... How about the 59th Street Bridge song? Isn't that about suicide? Is it a happy song? Feeling groovy. Is is the beat happy? It, it's the song's literally the, the the people think the name of the song is feeling groovy. Right, but I'm talking about the beat you, versus. I'm talking about no, the, 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 the music the melody, versus yes. the actual words. Yes, that, that I I don't know if it's just urban myth, but I always thought that that was about somebody going to jump off the 59th Street Bridge. I just want to say the only reason we played "Shake It Fast" from Mystical. Mystical that, that's not is, the name of the song. That's what I mean. Yes, I know. Shake your yeah. yeah. You can say shake your ass. All right, shake your ass from Mystical. And watch, not wash yourself, because that would be different. Well, because <laughs> both you, are good. In the previous <laughs> yeah, segment, yeah, you can Lawrence, do in the previous segment, you said something about um, mythical quarterbacks, and I thought of <laughs> mystical <laughs> quarterback, and he's juking people. Take it fast. Watch yourself. Oh, show me what you're working with. Juking people down the field. You ever see, like, there's a bunch like of... Like Jimmy Bowler when he yelled, Skyhook! Exactly! Skyhook! There's a bunch of videos with that song. Freaking Jimmy Butler. Where like. where the wife is 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 playing the role of mystical, and and the husband comes by, and, like, it's... I'll find you guys I gotta, in videos. I gotta They're see that. so funny. Tell me what you're working with. Mystical quarterback. In the Jimmy, two on the shot clock for the running hook. Skyhook! Watch yourself. Why does anyone, like, would it be sacrilege or disrespect if you were to shoot a jumper and yell out Kobe in an NBA game? You think that that doesn't happen? Look outside. You think that doesn't happen, like, 25 times a day on that block and that block alone? I'm just saying, like, in the NBA, in in an NBA game, would it be bad bad form to yell out Kobe? If If you're Kobe White, no. Yeah, that would be cool if he yells out Kobe. Some nominees here. Maxwell Silver Hammer. That's really good. Pumped Up Kicks. Oh, yeah. yeah that's about a that's, I think that's the one I was thinking about. Yep. Do, do, run, run, do, run. Do. Outrun my bullet. Yep. Speaking like a stiff arm. Speaking like, of Kobe. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Speaking of Kobe, you want to hear something incredible? 
the Jason showed me this the other night. Do you know who looks exactly like Kobe Bryant? Michael Jordan. Gordon Hayward. Don't oh, so it's like the Troy Aikman Jay Z yes, thing. That's exactly what I said. Look up a picture of Gordon Hayward. I have thought that about do, Troy Aikman and Jay Z. Yeah, no, Troy, Troy, Aikman, Troy Aikman spoke about it. Yeah, look yeah, up he talks seriously. About lower part do of a the face. do yeah. a Google image search for Gordon Hayward, especially when he's smiling, and tell me that isn't like a a clone. I think you're right of Kobe Bryant because I saw him in a sit down interview the other day, and I was like, "Who does he look he like? Looks like Kobe he, look? he looks like Kobe Bryant. He looks like Kobe. Oh yeah, it's a little disturbing. It's disturbing." Right, so just like who is the, the hair throws who me is off. the bear that wanted Eberflus black? Who 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 is that quote Montez from? Sweat. Montez Sweat said he would like to see Eberflus black. So there you go. We could add that to the mix. Let's Montez see. Sweat would yeah, play himself in a movie. <laughs> he said he wanted to see Eberflus black. Yes. Wait, do you have to go? Because there's stuff. Yeah, you're still here. I thought so you're, you're I have some work. news to report on. We've been talking about it all day. I now have to do that for my oh, real job. Oh, you mean go report on it? Yep. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make myself really really angry during the press conference. So are we not doing the? Th- we we should just get ready because they're they're they're, they're lurking. lurking. Watch right. yourself. Yeah, they're actively lurking out there right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we should not do. We'll save the thing. Oh, you want some of this, Spiegel? Well, yeah, you want some of this? Yeah, he was trying to steal my egg bites before. You want some of this? Bring it on. That actually would have been so gangster. Which is also a mystical. Bang, 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 uh, I think we went to break. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Bye, Layla. Tell me what you're working with on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.